0: Uh, Just a couple things Uh, we've been talking about the last couple weeks, but just want to make sure that we're all on the same page, hopefully. Uh, We have uh, this Sunday and the next Sunday, we're going to be gathering in the morning and the evening, and then we're going to be doing something that we've never done before. We're calling it a a Sabbath summer, and the idea is that uh, we're going to only gather once a month throughout the summer, so once in June, once in July, once in in August. And there's really two uh, things behind this. First and foremost, we really hope that these dates that are behind me uh, would matter to you and that you would work hard to hopefully be here on these dates. Uh, we would love the idea that uh, we're kind of getting everybody together uh, and just all, you know, working hard to be there together to see one another, see how everybody's doing, check in, connect, and then we're spe- you're planning some special things for these gatherings as well that I hope that you would be able to be a part of them. The second reason that we're doing it is just because summer happens and uh, life can just keep going crazier and crazier and crazier. And many times we have so many things that uh, come up during the summer uh, that are restful and important and significant and trips. And we want to try to provide some space for you to get some of that rest, for you to take some of those trips and do those different things as well. So it's our hope that you would, you know, get some rest and do some enjoyable and fun things. On top of these summer gatherings that we're going to do what we're just calling auxiliary gatherings. Uh, but the idea is going to some different events. So things like a concert, or a movie in the park, uh, doing a picnic at one point, going camping, uh, these different opportunities to just stay connected outside of the monthly gatherings if you're looking for things to do within the CMYK community. So uh, we'd, be in, we'd invite you to be a part of those. If you're interested in those or are looking to always make sure that you have the best information, what we want to do is encourage you, if you haven't done so yet, to sign up. We've got an email newsletter that uh, it's our hope that you would sign up for that. We don't send out you know tons and tons and tons of emails. Uh, we don't share it with anybody. We're not selling your data, don't worry. Uh, but it's an opportunity for you to know and be reminded of these things are coming up. Yes, these things will be posted to social media, Facebook, Instagram. But as many of us know, when you have so much information to scroll through, many times this gets lost or it's pushed down towards the bottom of your feed that you might not see some of the things that are happening. So as we continue to develop our summer plans and do more and more things, it's our hope that you would sign up for this email and be a part of that. So summer Sabbath is coming. We got this week and next week and then we're done uh, once a month. So hopefully you can be there. Let me pray and then we're going to go forward. God, tonight... As we talk about this concept of reconstruction, I understand that many of us are in different places in this room tonight. Some of us uh, are wrestling, struggling through things. Some of us feel pretty confident and excited about what's going on and what's happening. And others us, others of us just don't know what to think at all uh, on any level, but we're here tonight. And my hope and my prayer would be that uh, the work of being here tonight is to be able to pick up something and to be able to move forward whatever that step needs to be and that we would see uh, a more beautiful interaction with ourselves the people around us the way we spend our money the way we spend our time and our energy that because of things that are talked about tonight, that, that we would find something and be able to leave this place with those things in hand, seeing a more beautiful way forward together. We love you. In the name of Christ, we pray. We say it together, Amen. Uh, So, as many of you know, we are in the midst of this series entitled Reconstruction. Uh, We've been in for a couple weeks, so if you're kind of just jumping in for the first time, I encourage you to go listen to the last couple weeks' podcasts on our website. Uh, I think they would be helpful for you understanding why we're talking about what we're talking about on some levels. But Reconstruction really uh, is this path. It speaks to this path and this journey that many of us have experienced or are experiencing about life, spirituality, understanding, the best way to go about all of these things. And it really starts with this concept that's known as construction. And there's nothing really sacred about these words or ideas, but it's just some language that we can bring to it to help us understand. That construction really is this place that we find our lives, that we are born into a narrative, born into a story that is handed us. So for many of us, it was parents or teachers, friends, family, people around us that were speaking to us about this is what the world is, this is how it's supposed to work, this is right, this is wrong, these are the in people, these are the out people, this is what the Bible is, this is what church is. It's a constructed narrative that we are handed and given. And many of us grew up within some kind of religious structure, structured narrative. It's not a bad thing. It's actually a good thing that we're not left as three-year-olds to figure everything out, but that we can be told some kind of narratives to figure out the best way to move forward. But there's something healthy that happens within our life, particularly within spirituality, where we find ourselves in this space of deconstruction. It's where, for the first time, we start to ask questions, and what we say around here a lot, poke the box, and and start to wonder, okay, this narrative that I was given, is this really the best way? Is this really what I want to believe? Is this really what I think the scriptures are? We might have some doubts and some questions that maybe we've never had before, and we're starting to wrestle through this narrative that we were given. We're willing to tear down some of these walls. And reconstruction really is learning to understand, okay, yes, that's a healthy process and, a, and th- something that we go through, but it doesn't end there. There's a place to point towards. It's a, it's a space where we begin to rebuild, begin to make something again. And that narrative, whatever it is, is it does not look like where we came from. It's not trying to go back to what was, but it's maybe understanding something new and different and moving forward into that. And this whole series, just so you know, is not and will never be about trying to communicate what that reconstruction needs to look like. In other words, what you need to believe and how you need to believe these things. But more importantly, a conversation to say, whatever it is you're reconstructing and whatever process you're going through, it matters that you don't get stuck in deconstruction. And it matters if you're in construction and you're starting to ask some questions and doubt. That's okay. And that's a good part of this thing called life. Reconstruction. And what I want to do tonight is I want to look at a text that um, I, I find really significant when it comes to the person of Jesus and what I believe he's talking about, this idea of reconstruction. We have four Gospels within the Bible, four different stories about who Jesus was and what he was up to, these different teachings and miracles. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And historically, Mark is the one that is written first. In in the 60s AD is when this text was written and started to be handed around different followers of Christ. It's the first gospel that we have. And within this historically first gospel, there is the first words of Christ. They're right out of the gates, Mark kind of cuts through a bunch of stuff, tells a little backstory to say, okay, this is what led up to this moment. But right in chapter 1, there's this moment where Jesus steps out and has these very first words, and this is Jesus communicating his thesis. This is Jesus' you know, first day of class, putting the syllabus in front of everybody and saying, okay, this is what this is all going to be about for the next couple of years, okay? This is what I'm about, and this is what you need to pay attention to because this is why I'm here and what this narrative and story is about. Jesus, in Mark chapter 1, verse 14, it says this, Jesus came into Galilee, first words, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Now, for those of us that have grown up in some sort of Christian evangelical narrative, there's a couple trigger words in there that maybe we've interacted with many, many, many times. A word like the gospel, there's different, word, there's different ideas that come to this word, different emotions that can come through this word. Is it music? What's happening with what Jesus is talking about when it comes to gospel? This word gospel, simply translated, means good news. So Jesus is showing up on the scenes, and what he's communicating is he's, he's saying, there's something good to be talked about and communicated and discovered when it comes to the divine. When it comes to God, it's, there's something good here that we got to talk about, and this is what I'm about. There's good news about God. And he says that this good news is that the kingdom of God is at hand. Again, another phrase that many of us have probably interacted with, kingdom of God. And for some of us, it can be hurtful language of what the kingdom of God is, that it's been used as some sort of weapon or some sort of wall or barrier to why this is okay and this is not okay. And it feels, can, can feel very divisive, this idea of the kingdom of God. And I get that and I understand that. But to look at what Jesus is really saying, again, first words recorded historically of what Jesus is about and for. This phrase, kingdom of God, in the original language that is written, Greek, is simply this phrase and statement, vasilia to theo, vasilia to theo, so the B becomes a V within the Greek. So let's try that together, vasilia to theo, ready? One, two, three, vasilia to theo. It's beautiful, thank you. This just translated literally simply means reign of God. In other words, that things are the way that God would want them to be. It's the Vasilya to The reign of God. God has everything in order, just the way that God would hope things to be. And Jesus is coming to communicate and saying, this is at hand. Again, for many of us, this can be divisive. Like, oh, what what does that mean? Well, if you actually and honestly zoom out from scriptures and try to understand, what is this God? What is the story of the divine about throughout these texts, throughout these scriptures? And that Jesus continues to communicate, what does this reign of God, Vasilea to Theo, look like? Well, it looks like this. It's when love is in charge. All human interactions, all things that we do and think and perceive and go about within this world are driven by love, and love is in charge. Vasilea it's when there is justice and equality for everyone. This is what God has been about, according to these scriptures. Vesalia Theo, it's when everyone has enough. There aren't people without and people with a lot, but everybody is in this place with having enough. Vesalia Theo, it's when every person is truly seen, known, and embraced, independent of their history, their race, their gender, their sexuality, wherever they come from, everyone is truly seen, known, and embraced. This is about when there is a peaceful unity with all of humanity, earth, And the cosmos, there's not this consistent warring and fighting for more and more and more and more. And the taking of resources just because we can or just because we want to, but there's this peaceful unity that's found. It's when everything is just the way that it should be and there's this breath, it's here. This is it. It's the moment like I had yesterday at Dairy Queen when you discover there is this thing called the Royal Reese's Blizzard and there's, there's, there's real peanut butter, real peanut butter people that's in the center of the blizzard. Vasilia to Theo. Everything, everything is just the way that it's supposed to be right now. Now, here's the reality about this. Wherever you are in spirituality, wherever you are in deconstruction, Whatever kind of trigger language this idea of the kingdom of God might be for you, who doesn't want that? Where everyone has enough. Where everyone is seen, known, and embraced. Who doesn't want this peaceful unity between humanity, earth, and the cosmos? Who doesn't want that? And Jesus is showing up on the scene, and he's saying, this, this is at hand. And what's important to note about that statement and phrase, these first words of Jesus is that it means that, yes, it's coming. Yes, it's close in some ways, but it's not here. And I think all of us could agree looking at that list. It's not here. Everyone does not have enough. Things are not the way that they're supposed to be. There might be moments where things feel right, but for the large part of humanity and our story and what's happening in our community and lives, this Tutheo is not found in here. And Jesus says... You're right, because this isn't about something that was, and this isn't about something that even is. This is about something that's at hand. It's coming. It's this idea of looking forward towards something that could be. What I know is that construction and deconstruction, the tendency can be within these places is to always look back at what was, And particularly within construction, to find yourself trying to hold up a narrative of this worked in the past. Maybe it was a spiritual experience that you had in the past that was really good and valid and beautiful. But we spend the rest of our lives trying to go after something that was and to re-experience something that was again and again and again. Jesus isn't talking about that. Jesus is talking about something that has not been but is coming and to point our lives towards that. What I know is that deconstruction can be easily found in, yes, the present and yes, pointing at all these different things and tearing down the walls and saying, that's ridiculous, that's silly, that feels ignorant. I don't, I'm not in that place anymore, whatever it is. Again, it's a healthy process to go through at times. But it's not about something that was. We find ourselves getting caught in just the present and always tearing down and always you know, pointing at other things and saying Why? how silly or dumb or you can't think like that anymore. Jesus is not talking about that. Jesus, his first words out of the gate are, there's something coming. In other words, look forward. The invitation is to be about something that isn't here and hasn't ever been before. So stop fighting for those things and stop just getting stuck in what is, but be a part of building something that could be reconstruction. And there's someone uh, within our community that I think has had a story and is processing a lot of this in a really beautiful way that I thought, man, it'd be great to hear uh, more of his story and what this idea of looking forward and reconstruction has been about for him. So he's a morning guy, so he's gonna be new for all of you. Would you please welcome my good friend, Mr. Pat Alp, as he comes forward to share with us this evening. Pat Alp, oh, Pat, 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 Pat Alp. Oh. So uh, Pat is uh, someone that I've known uh, almost my entire life. And um, we've been, in, you know, grew up in the same church and interacted on a lot of levels, a lot of sleepovers, all those kinds of things, a lot of Mountain Dew that we had in middle school, those kinds of things. Uh, and your dad is someone that has worked at a church for the majority of your life, but you have gone through Deconstruction and uh, have a story to that. But uh, more than just that, there's also been this process of what reconstruction looks like. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah,
1: so I think the uh, the super quick catch up to today version is I was, You know, uh, in in the Christian experience, lots of people talk about being born again. They have a conversion experience. That never happened for me. I was just born (laughs) into a church family. My dad has worked at a big church here in town for my entire life. And uh, that was the identity that I assumed from as early as I can remember. And uh, was very, 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 very involved in that. Really, until about two years ago. So I would say that the seeds of deconstruction started to happen for me in my mid-20s through a bunch of different things, and that's a different conversation for a different day. But really, it all culminated in November of 2016, the night of the election. Uh, I got really drunk. I said some horrible things online. I woke up the next morning with, uh, quite a few friends less than I had the day before. And, um, I realized that I couldn't fake it anymore. So, uh, everything that I had, um, really tied my identity to for 33 years was a heap of rubble and that was both freeing and terrifying. And now what? So, um, We spent, my my wife was convinced that she was still going to go to the big church. I was convinced that I was never going to be a part of a spiritual community ever again. And that lasted for about three weeks for both of us. She came home from big church about three weeks later one day with the kids and said, okay, I can't do this anymore. And I'd been giving it a lot of thought. And I thought, I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I think that there's a lot of value in community. And can we go find, um... A community of like-minded individuals who will accept me and my burning rage right now uh, for who and where I'm at, and uh, I I knew that Matt would be more than fair about that, so we ended up here. So, Reconstruction for me, for a long time, looked like being really pissed off, uh, being very angry, being um, kind of confused, and just out in the ether, but also at the same time feeling very at home here, not having any pressure to perform or having a company line to tow, so to speak. Um, Having a group of people on Sunday mornings who were perfectly okay with my my doubts and (laughs) my very unsureness about everything. And so when we talk about reconstruction, I think that the longer that I was allowed to be unsure, the more I actually found value in uncertainty. One thing that Matt's talked a lot about is the highest value I think of the American evangelical church is certainty. It's not Jesus. It's being right and having the right answer. And so I think towards the end of my being a part of where I came from, I noticed that I would ask questions, sometimes online, sometimes antagonistically, uh, because I was really curious. And it's really funny how uh, the church, the big church, is okay with you asking questions as long as you come back to the answer that you're supposed to have. They provided all of the answers for you. And so you can have doubts, and you can have questions, uh, but as soon as you take those further than what the pre-provided answers are, then you're going to have a problem. And so... Um, it was so frustrating for me to want to have open, honest dialogue and not necessarily need an answer or something set in stone and just to be um, set up with somebody who wanted to take me out for coffee, sit down and show me in the Bible why I was wrong, um, show me the error of my ways, as if after 33 years of doing that, I'd somehow suddenly forgot. So um, (coughs) outside of it now, being able to be curious and not having the need to have answers set in stone suddenly became something that was really important to me. Part of it was probably reactionary because I always was forced to have an answer in evangelicalism, and there was always uh, the right answer that you were supposed to know. And now, as a naturally curious person out in the world, I'm just happier to be Uncertain so this idea and concept of looking forward is
0: something that came up in our conversations leading up to today that you um, You you started talking about I'm I'm not interested in looking back or 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 talking about what was necessarily um, And even what is but I'm looking forward what what do you mean by that? And what does that look like for you as far as how you're going about that that process
1: even when you talk about ideas of construction Um, and deconstruction. Deconstruction is looking back and uh, burning it all to the ground or throwing rocks at where you came from, um, being angry. And there's nothing wrong with that anger. There's nothing wrong with asking questions or being frustrated or uh, any and all of the above, I think. Um, But it's really, 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 really easy to just get stuck in that place. I think that there's this kind of perverse self-righteousness, it's two sides of the same coin. Um, When you are just being a cynic and throwing uh, rocks at everybody from where you came from, those guys are stupid. These beliefs are antiquated. They're hypocrites. They don't represent what they say that they do. Um, And I I, I don't want to be that person. That's that's not something that I value. So when I talk about moving forward, I think that it's important to honor where I came from and acknowledge the good that came out of the time that I had, where I was at, the relationships that I developed as a result of that, um, the blessing of the the people that I've spent so much of my life around, the, the um, I don't know, just wholesome goodness of the people who I knew during that time, but moving forward, looking forward, defining myself in terms of where I'm moving towards in reconstruction, I don't want to be the kind of person who is saying that that's I I like ex-evangelical is a very popular term right now. I used to be evangelical and now I'm not, and I don't think that there's even anything necessarily wrong with that, except that it. It uses where you came from as a definition for who you are moving forward. I'm not like those guys, but I'm going to be a better version of that. And I'm not concerned with that anymore. Maybe because uh, out here, fully agnostic, and just kind of putting it together one day at a time, I'm not as concerned with um, a label defining where I came from as much as I am moving forward. And moving forward, what I'm concerned with is being a part of a community whose values I find myself aligned with, like CMYK, where we talk about being present, honest, open, and love. Those are things that I can get behind. Those are things that, at the end of the day, when I go to bed, I can feel good about that and not, um, not have to look over my shoulder uh, wondering if there's somebody from before who has another coffee invitation ready for me to show me why I'm wrong. Like, I, I, I don't really care. I don't play by those rules anymore, and that's perfectly fine.
0: You, you said something this morning that I thought was really great as far as when you were in that state of, de- of construction, the narrative you were handed, you were given a set of values for this is how you're to live. And you go through deconstruction, those values aren't, you know, aren't there anymore. Like, well, the Bible says, so you have to do it, or God says, so you have to do it. And then reconstruction has been different. Can you, can you talk about that just a little bit?
1: Yeah, I, and I I think I used this phrase earlier too, but um, it is both the most freeing thing and the most terrifying thing in the world. Because in that state of construction, you are given a set of rules, you're given a set of values, and um, this is what everybody in the club does. Okay, this this is uh, the language that you use to describe your experience. This is how we decide what's right, capital R, and wrong, capital W. And um, don't worry, we've got it all figured out for you. And you get outside of that, and I don't have this extrinsic motivating force that I'm performing for anymore. I'm not worried about whether or not God or the church or my accountability partner or somebody is uh, standing around waiting to ask me questions about whether or not I'm following the rules. Um, the values that I subscribe to now are values that I am personally taking responsibility for. It's so easy, I think, in construction. This is one of my main criticisms. It's so easy to pass the buck and say I'm being an asshole because this is what I'm supposed to be, like according to the religion. Like this is how I'm supposed to be. It didn't square with who I was on on a lot of different things, and so now. I don't have to be that guy, but also I have to take complete ownership of these are my values out in the world, and I don't get to point fingers and say, well, it's because a book told me to, or a small group told me to, or because I've got a meeting with a pastor in a week, and I've got to give him a report about my behavior. Like These are values that I own, um, and am I okay with the person who I am at the end of the day? That's
0: good. I like it. So you got the mic and you're sitting in front of uh, CMYK community. What is it that you would communicate to them? What is it that you would ask of us and that we can do for you?
1: Yeah, I I think I'm just going to say what I said this morning. You know, uh, wherever you're at on the journey, whether you're in construction, if you have that set of values, I don't think that there's anything wrong with that we might go out for coffee and I'm not going to let you bring your Bible. We'd have a conversation about that. But understand that if you're the person who's in construction, people who are in deconstruction aren't deluded. They haven't like gone astray. Generally, it's because of some significant life event that has caused them to question life, the universe, and everything. And they're working out what that means. So if you still have that construction, that's, that's perfectly fine. Just... Try and be compassionate about it. If you're into deconstruction, that's great too. I would say that even along the path of reconstruction, I find myself deconstructing things. There are things that come up every single day where I'm like, oh yeah, I really haven't uh, given this as much time, thought, effort, energy as I probably should have. So, um, But don't get stuck. Don't get stuck in deconstruction. I think that it's a cop-out uh, in a way to just stay there and be the angry person. And um, it it requires some work, I think. I think reconstruction requires effort and intention and acknowledging um, that you're ready to move forward. And so if you're on the path of reconstruction, I see you. I'm glad you're here with us. And um, just be gentle with yourself. It's, it's really, there are days where I kind of wish that I could go back to when things were simple, when I didn't have to think for myself, when um, I could just show up and follow a script and I knew all the rules. It was a lot easier then, but I don't think it was as fulfilling or um, authentic. And so if you're on the path of reconstruction, that's awesome. There's a good group of people here have a drink with and discuss all of those ideas with and uh, I'm happy you're here
0: so <clears throat> I, I, I would say this because I, I mean it and I think he does as well Pat is an incredible guy to sit down and have a conversation with um, wherever you are um, because you know He's someone that's been poking at this stuff for a long, long time and kind of made the joke a little bit. Pat was the first person that I knew that uh, like just brought out the whole vileness of social media. And I was like, oh, people can say that and want to type that to someone else that they know and love on the internet? Uh, Pat was one of the first people I knew because he started asking some questions and, and raising his hands on certain things on Facebook. And all of a sudden, there's like 200 comments on something. You're going to burn in hell,
1: but it's because we love you.
0: Yep. Uh, I'm sorry I'm sorry about that I'm just joking it wasn't me uh, but it, it was it was just an interesting thing. and the only reason I say that is this has been a long process for him and this is someone that I think is a uh, a good thinker and a good communicator that um, he's not going to buy you a meal or, or drinks probably I won't put that on him but uh, he would he would love to do that so if for whatever reason you wanted to grab him or have a conversation with him I think he's a great great man to do that so can we thank Pat for just sharing your story love you man thanks for being here I remember the first time that Pat and Amber and his two incredible boys walked through the door. There was a part of me that was like, oh, there it is. I've been waiting for that to happen because uh, this, this guy is so great. and I'm so happy he's a part of things. This evening as we close, Pat mentioned it. And I think it's really important to note this idea of looking forward of what reconstruction is. It's not denying uh, what was and it's not even throwing out what was and saying all of it is just hogwash. Um, Because that can sometimes be the tendency. I think there's an understanding that we go back to what was, whether it's in construction or deconstruction, and we're willing to look at it and maybe reinterpret it and maybe find some meaning and some purpose within it that we didn't have before, and we're willing to maybe also throw away some of the baggage of that thing and say, yeah, it doesn't mean that anymore. And, and I'm not going to interact with it like that anymore. But there is this. There's something good, true, and beautiful about this. And so reconstruction can be, and I think is a process of looking at, okay, what are some of the, the windows, the walls, the planks that I would want to bring into what I'm building? I think that's healthy. And for me, this idea of communion is that exact thing. That every week we gather, we take a piece of bread, we dip it in the cup, and there is this work that the Christian church has been doing, known as communion or the Eucharist, for 2,000 years now. And for some of us, this is a story and a narrative that um, we're not really interested anymore. For me in particular, the, the construction that I grew up in, anytime that I was taking communion, it usually was a work of, I have to feel really, really guilty and really, really bad about who I am and what I've done and you know what I've looked at. And, and then when I feel really guilty, I come to this table, I take a piece of bread, dip it in the cup, and then I can feel better and forgiven about it. That was the work of construction or work of communion. And for me, there's a process of looking back at this meal and going, okay, I don't think that's healthy. I don't think that's good on many, many levels for me or for the world. But what this meal is is an invitation to all come and partake of the same bread and to drink of the same cup, all to come be a part of a story that's bigger than us That is, you know, has been going on for 2,000 years. It's a story that Jesus started out with these words in, in Mark, saying, hey, there's something coming, and for me to have this focusing thing. It's not a good meal, let's be honest. This is not a culinary masterpiece. It is not good to dip this bread in grape juice and go, mm, I love it, no- nobody enjoys it. Unless some of our four year olds at the morning gathering do, I guess. But we come to this and we do this because there's potentially some sort of meaning, some sort of narrative, some sort of idea that we would begin, that we would be able to recenter ourselves on. It doesn't have to be what it is for me necessarily, but that there would be something that we're pointing towards and that this meal would invite us into. It's taking something, yes, from the past but reinterpreting it into something good, true, and beautiful, to see something like this happen. It's at hand. These things are at hand. That's why we gather. And at hand doesn't mean it happens next week, and if it didn't happen next week, we all failed. But at hand means that this is worthy of working to see happen, I believe. It's not a lost cause. And so tonight as we come to this table, the question is, are you rebuilding something? Is there something that isn't yet found in your life or something that maybe was found in the past in your life? And you can recognize that. It's vital. It's valid. Okay. But that you can point towards something and say, but this isn't about trying to just see what is and, and talk about what was. This is about trying to see something come into existence. And for me, and for many of us, it's Vasilya Tuthale. It's this kind of space and this kind of work to see within our homes, our communities, and the world around us. All are welcome to the table. So we're going to play a song, and whenever you're ready, if you'd like to come, take a piece of bread, dip it in the cup, and receive and be a part of this story, and be a part of this narrative, or whatever kind of rebuilding, reconstruction you would want to bring to it. And then we'll close our time together. God, tonight, uh, for many of us, this meal, as uh, simple and even silly in some ways as it may seem, it carries weight. It carries weight to think about the use of our life, the use of our breath, and the beating heart in our chest to see something come to be that isn't yet found. And to realize that we have a part to play in that, and we are invited to play a part in that. And for me, and for many of us, this bread and this cup represent that idea. To go and to z- see this Vasiliya to Theo. And so, God, tonight, uh, we leave this place, not just necessarily thinking about things or wondering about things. Those are all good, important works. But we leave this place to go and um, put our lives towards building something because that's uh, something that really matters. And so... uh, I just, I'm grateful for this community and I'm grateful for a space for us to continue to wrestle through these things to leave and see something different happen in our city and community. We love you. In the name of Christ, we pray, we say together, amen. Well, just a reminder, we've got next week uh, and we'll be wrapping up this reconstruction series next week. And then uh, we'll be taking our summer Sabbath. So if you haven't signed up for the email newsletter, please uh, make sure to do that. As always, if there's anything that we can do for you, please, please, please let us know. And as always, there's giving boxes in the back if you want to be a part of this community on a financial level. We would love it um, for you to say, I'm, I'm, I am I'm, want to help see this thing continue to be a thing in, in many ways. And those of you that give financially to CMYK, thank you uh, that we get a you know, rent this place out and do the things that we're doing. So um, uh, feel free to hang out, have a drink or two and connect and chat and, you know, hit Pat up and set up a coffee date with him would be also great as well. So thanks everybody. Hope to see you next week. Thanks.